In late summer, the State Comptroller's Office released a review of the Hochul administration's oversight of adult protective services, state-mandated help provided to adults with mental or physical impairments who have no one to assist them in their day-to-day lives. The audit came nearly two years after a previous examination concluded that the State Office of Children and Family Services was not adequately overseeing the adult protective services in New York. To discuss what the Comptroller's Office found in their latest checkup on the Office of Children and Family Services, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Tina Kim, Deputy Comptroller for the Office's Division of State Government Accountability. Welcome back to the show, Tina. Thank you very much, Dave, and thank you for having me on the show. Well, let's start our conversation by rewinding back to November 2021 when the Comptroller's Office issued recommendations on how the State Office of Children and Family Services, uh, or OCFS, uh, could improve the oversight of adult protective services programs. What were the shortcomings your office found at the time in an audit, I believe, that covered from the spring of 2017 to the uh, end of 2020? So the APS is a critical program that provides protection for vulnerable individuals. And the majority of individuals who are provided support are elderly. So this has been a critical area for Controller Denapoli for a long period of time. And we do a lot of work within this area. Among our original findings is when you're looking at a program, especially a program that is done through others. So in this case, it is a program that's overseen by Children and Family Services, but it's actually carried out in the counties and by contractors. So so you really are looking for effective guidance and you are looking for effective monitoring. Children and Family Services actually does reviews of their providers but their guidance in terms of their reviews needed improvement. So the guidance basically didn't specify how timely they were to do these reviews, when they were supposed to be doing these reviews. And it also didn't include many of the factors that they need to be considered in during these reviews and what they were supposed to do when they found a deficiency within the program, like whether they were supposed to have an improvement panel and how they were supposed to follow up on that. And then when we actually looked at some of the providers, we... Generally, we found that there were issues basically with um, some of their documentation, especially with their case files um, and their progress notes. Well, did you find that those shortcomings translated to any problems in the delivery or quality of the adult services that were being provided? I, I think the reason why basically the findings actually matter is when you think about APS, this is a very vulnerable group of individuals. It is a it is a population that is actually growing. It's 17% of the state now. So six, 70% of the state is 65 and older. And the other statistics you have to consider when you think about this is, you know, there's been studies prior to the pandemic that show that that roughly 10% of the population over 60 suffers some form of abuse and and less than 5% of basically, you know, the abuse is actually reported and dealt with. And so you with a program that is constantly growing as the population gets older, you want to make sure that basically um, that everyone who needs services is actually provided services and those services are actually appropriate. So, so when you don't have effective monitoring to ensure that the providers are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing, there is a risk that people who are very vulnerable 
are not getting the services that they actually need. So then it sounds like what you're saying is that the shortcomings you detected may potentially lead to services not being delivered or not being high quality services, but it wasn't necessarily the fact that you had smoking guns, so to speak, of people who weren't actually getting the services that they were supposed to be or, or the quality of the services they were supposed to be getting. So, so can I give you an example, Dave? I'll allow it, Tina. Thank you very much. So progress notes are really very important because one of the things that you, when you're reviewing, you know, um, what occurred with a, with, with a client is you want to make sure that um, whatever services were provided to the client were appropriate for the situation and that they actually received um, those services. So when you, when you look at progress notes and they're updated months and months after, you know, a visit with a client and they say things like the client was seen, that doesn't really tell you um, what you, what you need to know. It doesn't tell you that the client received appropriate services, that they're basically the issues that were raised were resolved. And it concerns you whether or not basically that client was appropriately served. So while it may not be a, a smoking gun, it's an indicator of risk that would worry you. You did this initial audit in November of 2021. Have you found that the Office of Children and Family Services was responsive to the concerns you raised in the ensuing years? So we found on our follow-up review that they were responsive. So, so they revised their uh, policies and procedures to include written guidance on when they were going to conduct reviews how they were gonna follow up on those reviews. And they also put a tracking system in place. Of course, there's always areas for additional improvement, um, such as basically while they put a tracker in place and they put a system of follow-up, it wasn't clear what they were going to do is after they did a follow-up, what additional steps they were gonna take when the provider actually didn't correct the deficiency. So, so overall, there was a lot of positive movements, but there still was opportunities for improvement. Well, as you mentioned, this is a area where there's going to be growing demand for services in the short and long term in New York. So does it seem, from your perspective, like OCFS is prepared to handle that influx, or are they going to have to modify their oversight procedures, their guidelines uh, in the future as they wait for that additional population to start using these services? So it's something that concerns our office, and we're actually doing additional work in the area. A lot of what Children and Family Service would, would tell you is a lot of this work is actually done within the counties. And we are looking at that right now. And it's something that, you know, we we can report back to you on because it's a something and it's an area of great concern to the controller. I mean, this is a population that is growing and it is a population that's very vulnerable. I mean, those statistics are actually really startling that 10% of this population um, experiences abuse and less than 5% of those incidents are actually reported, that should be of concern to everybody. And 
finally, is this another area where the oversight of protective, adult protective services could be buoyed with additional resources for the Office of Ch Children and Family Services? So, so one of the things that we would say uh, to you, Dave, is wait to see the results of our late our next audit. So, so, you know, one of the things that we are looking at is we are looking at the whole issue of resources. And it is something that we will be happy to share with you because it is a concern for us. It is a concern. It's a critical program for elderly individuals within the state. And in fact, all vulnerable people. Well, we'll keep a seat free for you for a return visit, but uh, for now we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Tina Kim, They're the Deputy Comptroller for the Office's Division of State Government Accountability. Tina, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate it as well. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.